Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Free agency notes as well as bag chasing and college football alignments headlines this week's episode of Unfair Sports where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. We're going to sprinkle in some Baker Mayfield finally getting traded and the young thunder that you all should be watching. It's going to be an exciting show. So hit us up on the Unfair Fan Line 430-901-1906 and answer our question of the week. What do you think your team's going to do this coming season? It can be NFL. NFL, NBA, or college football. I want to know what you think. We've gone past the draft. We've got the recruiting classes. We're hitting up training camps. Hit us up, 430-901-1906. Oh, man, it's been a bit. Took some time off that it got extended, but we're back blacker than ever. However, you're going to enjoy these shows coming up. It's going to be a long good show for you this week uh we'll be back on our schedule uh monday release as well as thursday releases so please be prepared for all the great content to come hit us up on the youtube channel that's where you'll find a lot more unfair sports content on college football i'm gonna put the videos up there as well just search the playlist and you'll find the videos for the sport that you want to see on top of that please rate us review us give us five stars you don't think we deserve it just go ahead and give us five anyway and gift it so let's dive into the first topic so much has happened in the nba and free agency since the last time we recorded a show that man i gotta break down some of my quick notes on a lot of the movements i'm gonna give you guys that and then i want to talk about some of i guess the two bigger acquisitions i'm kind of curious to what you all think about it so please uh hit us up on twitter at unfair sports leave a comment on the videos on uh facebook and uh youtube we love to get your comments kind of want to get an understanding of what you guys think about a lot of this stuff as we've had time to digest it over the last two weeks but let's go into the quick notes first all right first and foremost we have the rookie maxes that started hitting and all of them were warranted you got John Morant and Darius Garland got their rookie extensions. You kind of got to do it. They both showed out. Ja is the leader of that Grizzlies team. Even though when he's hurt, they still kind of win. He still is a critical portion of what they do. I mean, he was averaging like 27 a game. Absurdly great numbers. Also, Zion got his rookie extension. 191 up to 200 and like what 50 if he actually does like an all NBA or something like that. Yeah, you got to pay Zion Williamson that money. 100%. 
there's zero reason for anybody to even believe that he shouldn't be paid that irregardless of his injury history. Remember, just because he's only played, what, like 30-something games in the last couple of years because of his injuries, Joel Embiid missed his first two years in the league, and he played like 31 games his third year. So just because Zion hasn't played doesn't mean that he's not going to play. He just, you know, had a, had a rough start to his career. And, yep, Embiid played 31 games. And, but when Zion was healthy, 27 and 7. 27.7 boards, 61% from the field. I think he's the only player to do that. Absurd numbers for someone like that. And he just missed one season. So his first year, 24, he missed because of that. 61 last year had a little bit of injury problems. But he played 61 games in the 2020-2021 season, 27-7 at 61% from the field. What more can you ask for from a star player? And then he's also in New Orleans, which has a pretty solid team that made the play in and made the playoffs without him. Bring him in, someone that they're not, nobody can stop Zion when he's healthy. That's the thing about it, when he's healthy. But at the same time, that is, I don't believe that he's going to be injury prone the rest of his career. I don't see a Greg Oden situation with him at all, even with his weight gain, his weight, where his weight fluctuates. I don't see him being a liability injury-wise long-term. So we'll leave it at that with him. By the way, that was a fantastic move. Uh, Colin Sexton still ain't got his check. Uh, hopefully he doesn't turn out like the next Johnny Flynn or whatnot. But he also is coming off a knee injury in November, so he'll probably get his money later. He'll, he's probably going to sign this year, basically a prove-it deal, and then he'll show out. So Dallas trading for Christian Wood was kind of interesting to me. Christian Wood did not have a very good ending in Houston. There was a lot of, I guess you could say, animosity in some capacity around there. I mean, the rumblings were that Christian Wood doesn't play defense very well, which actually analysts point that out too. He doesn't make much, very much effort, but he can score and put up buckets. I think that still is a good play for Dallas to get someone that can get buckets, especially as a big man, to help out Luka and when Spencer Dinwiddie does his thing. Mainly because Jalen Brunson's gone. <laughs> he bounced. Brunson has gone to New York, and he's chasing a bag. I'll talk about bag chasers later, but it makes sense for him to chase the bag. Why, why sit in Dallas when you can go to New York and potentially be the number one option? You can steal that away from R.J. Barrett and, and Julius Randle. It feels like New York needs someone to take over. And the way Brunson played in the playoffs, if he can do that in a regular season, I think he can end up taking over that job from all of them, period. The DeJounte Murray trade was probably the one trade that I was the most curious about. Mainly because I don't know if he was worth the compensation. So Murray and Jock Lendale was sent to the Hawks for Danilo Gallinari, a 2023 first, 2025 first, a 2026 pick swap, and a 2027 first-round pick. I like DeJounte Murray's game. Defensive guy as well as the ability to score when needed and in transition. Was he worth all of those picks, though? 
Does he get Atlanta over the hump past Philadelphia, past a healthy Brooklyn? I said healthy Brooklyn. Past Miami, past Milwaukee. Does that put him that team past them? I cannot say yes. I can't say no fully, but I, I I definitely cannot say yes in that situation because I just do not feel like this team is constructed good enough to beat Milwaukee, beat Miami, help beat Boston, beat Philly. If if just those four, that's the four teams they got to deal with. The question is, can they get past them? I don't know. I don't know the answer is to that. I don't see that out of Atlanta yet. They'll have to prove that to me. I can't go in with them in blind faith. They made it to the playoffs and beat New York in the first round, which was dope. Love how Trey Young was, you know, trolling everybody. But they did not do too well against Miami in the playoffs this past year. So does Murray give them something special? Yeah, it gives them a defender, someone they can handle the ball with Trey. Trey can play a little bit more off ball, come off screens, get those threes up, boom, get buckets. But do does that help them move forward, especially with the John Collins trade basically looming? I don't know. John Wall gone to the Clippers. When healthy, you'll have John Wall, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. Now, there's still, of course, some stuff lingering with Kawhi Leonard and his beef with the Clippers and feeling like that, you know, the medical staff isn't take care of him. They're like the ones in San Antonio didn't. But at the same time, it's still Kawhi Leonard. It's still Paul George who did really good without Kawhi. And now John Wall. Can John Wall produce in a number three role? That is going to be the question. Is he okay being the third option? I don't know. We haven't seen him in over a year. Luckily, he's gotten healthier since that Achilles tear, but it's been over a year since we've seen him on the court. I don't know if I trust that he's going to be able to go out there and mesh well with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. This is the one thing I've talked about with super teams for years. People don't understand this thing. Just because you got a whole bunch of players teaming up with each other does not mean that shit's going to work. They have to actually have chemistry and mesh and actually make effort to work together. Those Miami Heat teams struggled with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh for the most part. And the way they struggled was, that's why they only won two championships out of the four years they were together. You had three guys and a whole bunch of random dudes you throw in there. Now, the Clippers are not constructed like that, but at the same time, it's going to be Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and... John Wall figuring out how to divvy up the points, divvy up the ball handling, divvy up the ISOs, and play together because none of them actually move on offense. Like cutting, they play in transition kind of. Paul George has a tendency to, but and, and John Wall, when he was healthy, was one of the most explosive players out there, but he ain't, he ain't the John Wall that he was at Washington before injury. So I don't know what they're going to look like either. And let's jump into the one big one that kind of threw me for a loop was this Rudy Gobert trade. And this is going to be me ranting about this team because in this trade, Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Bomaro, Walker Kessler, which was the number 22 pick that Minnesota took, 
Jared Vanderbilt, which my boy Zach Noble was pretty upset that they got rid of, and four first-round picks with a swap for Rudy Gobert to the Jazz. Now, this is twofold with this one. One, I see the Jazz are definitely rebuilding in some capacity, or they're retooling, as they would say, and they're going to try to rebuild around Donovan Mitchell. We knew that this trade was going to happen because that Donovan Mitchell-Gobert dynamic was not going to work. The problem is I don't think that Donovan Mitchell dynamic is going to work either on this team. You need somebody else. Honestly, they should have traded for Gordon Hayward. That gave him a veteran presence to go along with Donovan Mitchell, someone who can get a bucket but can just put it in the hands of Donovan Mitchell in the clutch like he did for Joe Johnson. And that may have been a good move for them. This play here, I don't know why Minnesota would give up that many first-round draft picks for a guy that will probably, who is on the decline in his career because he is in his 30s and cannot really score on offense and no one trusts him with the ball. Like, okay, so you got D'Angelo Russell still, who's still going to be your point guard, but who's going to run the point for this team? Patrick Beverly kind of was when he was there, and he is also the defensive uh, anchor for this team. Got Anthony Edwards, who's going to run point. But once they start throwing the ball to Gobert and they see him drop the passes, what are they going to do? Stop giving him the ball, just like they did in Utah. I feel like the Jazz, I feel like Minnesota overpaid for this pick. I feel like they overpaid. I mean, Gobert says that he wants to go there and win them a championship. That's his goal. I don't see them winning a championship with Gobert in the center. I don't. Now, Carl Anthony Towns can get out of playing in the post and go ahead out there and shoot them three since he's considered the best best three-point shooting big man in the league right now. And everyone loves the fact that this dude, as big as he is, as a former number one pick, is now second fiddle to, you know, the rookie Anthony Edwards at the number two pick. 20-year-old. That bothers me about Cat. Always have bothered me about Cat. Um... But at least he's got another tough guy that he can pretend to be tough with, with Gobert. That's me just throwing shade for the most part. But but honestly, I do think that Minnesota overpaid for this pick. Gobert is really good as a defensive player of the year. I mean, he he won, what, three of them? I don't see this being a win for Minnesota. I think at some point, you're going to have to ship out Carl Anthony Towns to get what you really need. To be honest, I just don't feel like Carl can do it. It's just something about him and his game has never given me the thought that this dude is going to be somebody that's going to be special in this league. He's going to play. He's going to put up some numbers. But a lot of it is going to probably be empty calories. So talking about those rookie maxes that we just recently saw, we got to talk about these two dudes inside to really get bags. I mean, Bags. Bag alert, major bag alert. That's got to be like the the tone every time we hear about these type of extensions because Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal have decided that they're going to re-up with their current teams and not win championships. That's what they did. They're chasing the bag. They're not chasing the chip. So Damian Lillard just added two years to his current deal. At a hundred and twenty-one point seven seven million, which hundred and twenty-two million basically. Bradley Bill signs a five-year, two hundred and fifty-one million dollar maximum extension with the Wizards. That's a lot of money. Damian Lillard, 
So he got a four-year designated veteran player extension. What was that? July 19. That was worth about $196 million at the time. But because the cap dropped, it dropped to about 176 total. He's made $195 million so far in his career with the Blazers. And he added $122 million on top of that $176. He's going to make $58 million and $63 million at the ages of 35 and 36. Dame's coming off ab- abdominal surgery that's been bothering him most of his for like the last few seasons. They said like several seasons is what the notes said um, in the article about it. And we got to ask ourselves, is Damian Lillard going to be worth $58 million at 35 and $63 million at 36? Is he going to hold up and actually be available at that point in his career? I don't know. Will he be good enough to where they can add the right players around him and they can compete for a championship. No. Golden State just added Dante DiVincenzo to go with James Wiseman, Moses Modi, Modi Moses, and Jonathan Kaminga. That young core right there could potentially be something special if they pan out. But I think that Golden State is really retooled very well to where they're going to probably be competing for the next few years because I don't think Steph's gone for a while. We got some few, a lot more years of Steph. We probably got at least the same time with Steph as we, with Damien as we do with Steph and Clay's going to be able to be around just because he can shoot. He probably won't do much else besides coming and shoot all the time. But at that bag level, I commend him. I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at Bill. They both think and want to win championships in these towns that they're playing at in Washington and in Portland, they both want to bring that feeling into those towns. I would love to see it, but I don't think it's happening. Mark me words. I don't see either one of those two winning championships at either in DC or in Portland. Their biggest problem is front office. They're they're fighting a front office who has shown high levels of incompetence in bringing in additional talent to make it to where they can't compete. Like I I adored the Dame and CJ McCollum setup, but they should have seen a few years back when McCollum started to really rise that that wasn't going to work. We all saw it. You're not going to win a championship with two small guards. You got to add some size at the wing that can take over a game along with Dane. They never did it. He thought Evan Turner was going to do it, but he wasn't it. So for them, I appreciate the fact that they have no problem going for this money. This is something that a lot more players should do. You are in the NBA and you recognize that your front office ain't that good. So instead of, forcing your way out and get traded, which always makes fans mad, which I don't care what fans think, but that's besides the point. It makes fans mad. You may as well just keep reading up and just making your money, building that generational wealth and just say, Hey guys, I tried. Cause the good thing is, is they're going to play hard. They're still going to show up every single game. They're going to show out as much as they possibly can. They're still going to be at all-star level caliber players, potentially all NBA, but they're not going to go anywhere because everything around them is not going to do much for them. I love Bradley Bill, but the one thing Bradley Bill does is get buckets, and that's really about it. Tell me something else that Bradley Bill does good on the court besides get a bucket. You may think that getting a bucket is the most important thing, and it's not. 
You need more from players like that. You need some sort of lock, some sort of defense, playmaking, something. Nah, Bill just shoots, scores. A lot of it is empty calories. Doesn't help you, doesn't really hurt you either. It's just he gets points. And so because he doesn't make plays, because he doesn't change, really change the dynamic of your team by himself, if you don't surround him with players that can do that, I mean, Bill's best season was with Russ. Russ got on to 31 a game because Russ is a playmaker. Y'all hate him, but Russ is a playmaker, and he gets all these players around him good. He gets them buckets. He makes them play harder, and he shows up to work. So Bill's going to make this bread. Dame. Dame, at this age, his defense is going to fall off. 31 years old, coming off multiple injuries. He had surgery. He's going to slowly start deteriorating because, you know, everybody has a father time is undefeated and every player has a limit and we've seen their limits in their 30s. I don't know what Dame's going to look like over the next five years under this contract if he's really going to be able to fulfill these numbers while getting him a championship. So hopefully Portland can put something around him. Hopefully Washington can. We know Washington won't. They haven't won 50 games in my entire lifetime ever. So last time I think they won 50 games in a season was in the 70s, like 76 or something like that. They haven't won 50 or more games in my lifetime, and they've had some really good players. So i tell you something. Hell, MJ played for him. That being said, let's see what it looks like for these bag chasers. But to me, keep chasing them bags, bro. Keep chasing those bags. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details. So I told myself I was not going to get excited about Summer League. I took the Bart Simpson meme and I wrote down, I will not get excited about Summer League. I will not get excited about Summer League. I will not get excited about Summer League. And I keep repeating it over and over just to tell myself to stop getting excited about Summer League. And I can't help it. Have y'all been, Thunder fans, have y'all been watching the Thunder and Summer Leagues? I went back and replayed some of the games. I missed them all live. I went back and replayed a few of them. Watched some of the highlights. Watched some of the stuff. Thunder Twitter's blowing up about Chet Holmgren and Josh Giddy out there cooking it up. Now, Chet did exactly what we expected to him to do coming into the league. He's playing defense. Six blocks in the first game in Salt Lake City. Second game, he was all right. Got about three blocks. Now in Las Vegas against Houston, he got three more blocks. 
and he's balling out. And then you have Josh Giddy out there running the point. A lot of people are trying to wonder, why is he playing in summer league? He's too good. He shouldn't be out there. He's one of the star players. He's also like 20 years old. Nothing wrong with him getting some extra hooping in, especially playing with Chet, building that mesh, being that relationship, as well as with J-Dub, Jalen Williams. I'll say this. They look good. Just talking to my barber about it. He was he was joking about Chet and his size, and he's just like, nah, man, he's not gonna. I I don't trust him. I don't I don't feel like he's gonna be any good. I think Pressy made a mistake, and then he shot me a text, and he's like, man, OCD's gonna get some TV time. Told you he's gonna like him. Everything about Chet with Josh Giddy told me that this was gonna be a nice match made in heaven type setup. Hell, Kevin Durant saw Chet Holmgren cooking and was like, hey. I see you cooking seven, and he was wearing KD, so of course KD was excited about that too. So does that mean KD's come back to Oklahoma City? Can uh, we get him in a trade with all eight million first round draft picks they've got down the line? I mean, you can sit ship off some of those Clipper draft picks and get Kevin Durant. Why not? Hell, you send the swaps too. Be totally worth it, right? I think it would be. I'd totally go for Kevin Durant. Five first round draft picks and one swap and just send everybody else's picks. But no, they, they've been cooking. But, but but the one thing that did jump out to me as I'm watching these summer league games, and the one player to look out for is really J Dub, Jalen Williams. J Dub, the first rounder, the one from Santa Clara. He's going to get a lot of minutes in the league. I think it was John Hamm that tweeted out a, a starting lineup with Dort, SGA, Giddy. Holmgren and J-Dub or just a lineup with all five of those. Oh my God, it'd be so much fun because J-Dub is out there hooping. He's getting buckets. He's cutting. He's moving in transition. He's moving in the half court. He's moving in. He's doing everything you would want from a player. That's going to be potentially a complimentary piece to your stars. He's not going to stand around and watch them cook. Giddy forces players to move because he's so good at passing and his vision is ridiculous right now at his age. This Thunder team is going to be something special. In Sam Presti, we trust for that specific reason. You think that Chet Holmgren at his size, he's not going to do too well. Can't think of the player's name that did it. Um, I have to go relook. I couldn't find the video for the life of me, but he was playing bully ball basically with Chet. Cool. Yeah. A lot of the bigs are going to do that when they have the opportunity. Embiid's ridiculously large and strong. Zion will do it too. But it's a very select few players that's going to be doing that to him because Chet does a really good job of forcing you to foul him. That player also had four fouls against Chet. He also was cooking them too. He's cooking them on the other side of the ball and he was blocking the shots. Like we're going to be prepared for everyone to isolate out all the plays when Chet Holmgren struggles on defense and not show the ones where he dominates. They've got to fit the narrative that he's too small, that he cannot handle this league. Nah, he can handle it. He'll be just fine. He may not be the GOAT. He's not going to be Kareem or anything like that, but he's going to be a really good NBA player. He shows it already. He's willing to move. He's playing defense. He's putting his body out there. That's what you want. Now, the thing y'all not talking about that's annoying me is how much fun it's going to be watching Chet Holmgren on the basketball court. And it's really for one reason. Everybody's going to try to dunk on him. 
Everybody. Ja's going to run down the middle. He's going to go up for a tomahawk. Embiid's going to try to get some dunks in. Just about every player that plays against Oklahoma City is going to try their hearts to get at least one dunk in on top of Chet Holmgren. And we're going to see a lot of opportunities where Chet's going to be 50-50. He's going to block half of them. He's going to get dunked on by half of them. I am excited. I am stoked to see that go down. That's what's going to be fun about watching this Thunder team. Outside of the fact that Giddy is ridiculous with the pass, J-Dub looks like he's he can be a potential star. Of course, SGA cooks because he cooks. It's going to be fun watching Chet Holmgren defend himself every single game and stop players from trying to dunk on him. I'm stoked for that more than anything else. So that's where the fun's going to come in with this. So outside of that, Sam Presti's tooling a team together that will compete long-term. Hopefully he trades some of these players off and gets some like second-round picks or something like that to be able to help out and keep the roster full and keep the keep the pantry full for future picks and future players he can trade for. But I'll say this. Be prepared. Oklahoma City's going to be on the TV a lot in the near future. They're going to be flexing some of their games just so y'all can watch Giddy play with Chet in SGA. And then they sign it, Lou Dort, to the five-year, $87 million max extension he could get? I told y'all not to trade that man, and they listened to me. Somebody watched the show. Somebody watched Unfair Sports and understood that I was serious when I said it'd be ridiculously stupid to trade our boy Lou Dort. You know what he is. You don't know what draft picks are. And he's one of those players that can be a key part of your future. And I'm so glad that they went ahead and gave him the full five-year max. I'm so glad that he signed it. Because putting him out there on the outside and chilling the inside, I've said this a few times, it's going to be dope. They're going to have defenders on both sides of the ball. All we got to do is make sure Josh Giddy gets up on his defensive game. I think J-Dub can play defense too. I think he can. I think I've seen him shuffle his feet nicely, get in front of guys. But Dorton and Chet, yeah, that's what you want out of Oklahoma City. You want that defense. And the beauty of it is Oklahoma and Presley has a type. He's got his guys with size and length. We make the joke about long wingspans, tall guys that are very much out of position in traditional basketball. We got it. Oklahoma City is going to be special. Go ahead and trade for Kevin Durant, though. I think that'd be fun. So Baker Mayfield now has a new home. He's headed to the Carolina Panthers. He got traded on, what was this, the 7th, which was on Thursday. Shipped out, I'm sorry, Wednesday. He was shipped out Wednesday for a fifth round pick in 2024. Two years from now, basically. And the Browns are going to eat $10.5 million, while the Panthers are going to pay him $4.85 and Baker forego $3.5 million of his contract and can earn it back with incentives. Basically, the Browns gave him away for as cheap as possible and even eight cost for him to go away. Now that Baker is gone, prepare yourself for all the articles about how much the Browns actually hated him. 
And then he's going to respond on a Panthers podcast that he hated them too. Because it's already been going on. First, they said they won a grown up in the room, which honestly was a really bad look when you're trying to trade somebody or you expect to get rid of somebody. And then it's been shot after shot back and forth from each other. Then the media itself are creating these narratives around the situation with Baker and his time in Cleveland, even going so far as the Jadavion Clowney piece where Clowney decided to come back to the Browns because they got Deshaun Watson without realizing that Watson and Clowney are friends and they play together in Houston. They tried to make it seem like he didn't want to play with Baker, even though they're on opposite sides of the ball. He wanted to play with Watson and I totally get him being cool with coming back to the team because Watson's there because like I said, they're friends. They've been knowing each other for years. But here's the thing when it comes to this Baker Mayfield piece. Baker is a capable NFL quarterback. I give him top 20, probably between the 15 and 20 range. But that's still the starting quarterback in this league. He does enough to win games. He has a problem with playing when he's hurt. And he should be sitting his ass down, but he won't. He's there to play. He's a grinder. He's a hustler. He's going to play. He does talk a lot. His personality, unfortunately. If he talked less, people would probably like him more, but then he wouldn't be himself. So I don't even knock him for that. I think the thing that Baker's going to have to do is truly prove himself. He's going to have to take this year and not be himself, be really quiet, go out there, and just produce. Luckily, week one, he has the opportunity as the Browns will play the Panthers week one. And when he gets out there and he decides to grab his nuts like he did against Kansas and remind them who daddy is, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked when he shows out, especially if they do good and win. Because honestly, with him, Christian McCaffrey went healthy. I mean, DJ Moore's solid. Robbie Anderson's meh. But I think he should do well as long as they fix the offensive line. Was this a good move for either team? Yes, they needed to divorce this. This is one of those situations where it was just the relationship was deteriorated. One keeps talking noise about the other. And there was no healthy recourse. Now, the only thing I was curious about with this trade was I was wanting to understand why didn't the Browns go after like Sam Darnold? Why didn't they trade for him? Why didn't Carolina give him up? Because it feels like to me is that Carolina is still trying really hard with Sam Darnold, thinking that he's going to turn out like a Josh Allen and just miraculously have a great career because he's got this ridiculously strong arm and he's a strong dude and he's going to figure it out. He ain't going to figure it out. Sam Darnold is exactly what he was advertised coming out of USC. Sorry, I hate to say it. He is good arm strength, no accuracy. Makes a lot of mistakes. Loves to turn the ball over. It's kind of his thing. Baker is a smaller version who doesn't have as much arm strength. Can be more accurate whenever he's placed in the right situation. I just feel like the Browns offense limited him a lot, a little too much. So let's see what Baker does with Ben McAdoo as his OC. Um, Yeah kind of feel bad for him at this point he's got to go be under McAdoo and Mark and Rule this is Matt Rule I don't I think Matt Rule's a solid coach I don't know how I feel about him as GM but I will say that if they give Baker enough leash 
to do his own thing, let him kind of be his own guy, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. That's something that they're going to have to do. They're going to have to let Baker be the quarterback and let him think on his own and not really do all the timing routes and force them to have to um, him miss out on open players because he's got to follow the progressions of this exact template. If they open up the book a little bit more for him, I think he'll be fine. Now they got training camp coming up, so it's a good time for them to figure out if this is going to work out for them. But I do see him winning the starting job definitely over Sam Darnold. Now, Matt Corral will probably eventually be the quarterback of the future for them. I think he'll eventually take the job. This is a prove-it deal for Baker Mayfield. He has to show that this is that he is an NFL quarterback and he, if he's going to get a job next year. Because I don't see him staying in Carolina after this year. I see him going somewhere else that needs a quarterback. Seattle should have picked him up, but whatevs. We'll see what this looks like now. Good luck to Baker in Carolina. I'm just glad that this divorce has finally went through. It's finalized. I guess the 90-day waiting period is over. I'm so glad that it's over for them. And let's see what he does out there in Carolina. The process of realigning teams has begun. So, y'all saw the news last week while I was out that USC and UCLA have decided to leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten. Now, I think the fascinating thing about this news is just how fast it came. That's the thing that jumped out to me the most of all of it is that we literally did not know about it until like the day they signed the paper. Which tells me that they've been having this discussion for months. And somehow they must have hired Sam Presti to be part of these negotiations because his show did not get out until the day they wanted it to get out, which I'm way more impressed with. So USC UCLA goes to the Big Ten, joins that massive conglomerate of schools that are not only academically sound, but athletically sound as well. Which begs the question of why? Now, the number one assumption, of course, is academics. Makes the most sense. Why wouldn't you assume that academically, it make, uh, athletically, it makes sense? Because the media rights deal is coming up for the Big Ten in 2024. And so far, it's estimated that it could be worth about a billion dollars. Yeah, they, 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 they followed the money. That was the main thing. And it's funny, I saw that Oregon and Washington have now emerged as teams that want to go to the Big Ten. And the Big Ten basically was like, eh, no, we're good. They're not going to take them, which is kind of shocking, but I get it. You don't need too many teams. The biggest thing with, with, with USC and UCLA is you get LA. Now, we'll say this. I am really surprised that Cal did not end up in this bucket as well because academically it makes sense. Cal is one of the top public schools in the country. You would think that adding Berkeley to this list would really enhance them academically because the Big Ten is really big on off-the-field stuff, too. They're big on the academic side. They're big on being research schools. So you would have thought that would have joined into it, but it didn't. So when I look at this, I'm like, okay, it's twofold that we have to ask. One, is college football done? Are we going to the NFL model? 
of two big ones and all of that jazz. And then number two, what does it mean for everybody else in college football? So is college football ruined? No. And I say this in all sincerity. There's going to be some goods and bads. There's going to be some pros and cons here. Your, 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 we'll start with your cons. The biggest con you're going to run into is rivalries and how rivalries are played out. You're not going to really have as many as teams start to realign themselves unless the rivals follow each other places. The one thing that's great about college football is hating your rival. Iowa and Iowa State, they'll kill each other. And they honestly enjoy that victory more than they probably do a conference championship. Same thing with Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas. That's the, that's the beauty of college football is those rivalries. Alabama, Auburn, they hate each other so much that those victories against them mean more than just about anything else. That's bragging rights, period. So you might lose out on some of that if they don't transition together, just depending on how the alignments are. I assume that once we get to that model of two conferences, most likely, and they pot it out, which would make the most sense, they would make sure that rivalries are preserved. But we don't know. We'll see. Honestly, Iowa and Iowa State still has their rivalry preserved, and they've been out in two different conferences for a long time. It can be done. So that can be a con. I don't think it's going to be that bad. The other one's going to be all this damn travel we're about to see. People are going to be traveling cross-country to games. Like, how many people's going to actually go to the USC Rutgers game if they play each other from California? That's cross-country trip, and so they ain't going to be cheap. And do you really want to go to Rutgers? I mean, no shades of them. Academically, they're fantastic, but on the football field, they haven't been anything since Greg Schiano was there the first time. He's back, and they still aren't really doing much. How many people from UCLA's fan base is going to travel to Maryland? You see what I'm saying? How many people, well, Maryland folks may actually want to go out there to Southern Cal because the weather's nice. I don't know. But who's going to, that travel is going to be ridiculous. The pros, though, out of all of this is that the path to the championship will truly be defined. We may actually have a playoff style format to where you whittle down in each conference down to an actual champion. You won't have just four teams make it. You can make it to where you have conference playoffs. Whittle it all the way down, just like you do in the in Division Two and Division Three. That can happen now. It will be a lot easier if you broke it down into those two conferences or just four, something like that. Also, the other thing with college football you got to remember, too, is that they have built-in fan bases. Every school gets about gets a couple hundred to a couple thousand new fans every single year in incoming freshmen. So college sports and college football is going to be fine. People are still going to cheer for their alma mater. It's just the fun of rivalries is the only thing that we could potentially lose. But it still can work. They just have to want to make it work. Unlike Texas and Texas A&M, who didn't want to make it work, Iowa's and Iowa State's made it work because they still hate each other enough they want to play each other. So it can be done. Let's see what happens long-term with all these changes. But for me, I want to go into the ridiculousness of this. If we're going to do this, 
if we're going to have this college football alignment, give me some of the most ridiculous setups possible. So like, for example, see the Oregon-Washington play, the reason why they're not going to probably get up there is in the Big Ten is because they're Big Ten's waiting for Notre Dame to make a choice. I need Notre Dame and BYU to stay independent. Even though BYU is headed to the Big 12, BYU as an independent, they have enough fans nationwide to handle that. So does Notre Dame. I think the other, other school that can do that is Texas. When we should be seeing that because they have their long horn network. They have enough fans in enough places for that to work. I want them to stay independent and I want them to play each other every other week. Just battle it out to the death of the independence. And then the winner of the independence, boom, goes to uh, gets an automatic berth. At that point, they played each other so many times that they may not have half their players, but who cares? It's Notre Dame and BYU. Their fans will watch those games. They love it. So give us that. I don't know what the names would be. Would it be like Colts versus Convicts or Jesus versus God? I don't know. They come up with crazy names for it. Catholics versus Mormons. I don't know. I do want them, though, to stay independent because I think that that's actually a good thing for them. And then they got to kick UConn out. UConn's got to go. They don't need to be independent no more. Send UConn to the ACC as they expand so they can be kicked around by them. Every every conference needs teams they're going to beat up on. UCLA will be the one that gets beat up on in the Big Ten. So let's do that. Now, this is the one I really love. Let's send Hawaii to the ACC along with Washington and Oregon. Now, it sounds great to put them in the Big 12, and the Big 12 can swoop around nationwide. Would be a fair move. But I want Hawaii and the ACC. I want them to travel across country so much that they're all just exhausted when they play. Then you have a true game of attrition. Who's the, who's the man of this? Who's going to survive? Give me Hawaii and the ACC. Yeah, ACC's the best one. That's where I want them to go. It'd be fun. I mean, the players would love it. Trying to Hawaii. They'd have to be there for like a week to adapt. But who cares? Give us Hawaii and the ACC. Then we got Oregon, Washington. Washington State, Oregon State. Maybe Washington State, Oregon State should go to the Big 12. And let the Big 12 take everybody else like Arizona. Which they're in conversations with, with Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado coming back. Why let Colorado go independent? Well, they go independent. They wouldn't survive, but Colorado at them, those four. Yeah. And then Oregon, Oregon state, I think they'd be good. And then Stanford, Stanford needs a home. Why didn't the big team go after them? They're academics. That baffled me too, but you hear nor there. Send them all there. That way, They'll be playing all the time in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, or they can reshuffle things. The Fiesta Bowl can be focused more so on the Big 12. Uh, The Rose Bowl can be Big 12, Big 10. The Fiesta Bowl can be Big 12 versus the um, ACC. And then the Sugar Bowl can be ACC, SEC. And then you can have the Big 10 figure out something with like, the SEC, their own bowl game. I don't know what it would be. Because every game, bowl game's in the South, purposely. Or actually, do the Rose Bowl. Make that SEC Big Ten moving forward. That would be fun. And then Big 12 can just keep the Fiesta and the Sugar Bowls at the bottom. And then ACC take whatever's left over. The Orange Bowl. That'd be dope. 
But we can make the Big 12 the Big 24. If they can get 24 teams, that would be dope. But outside of that, all this craziness, cost of all alignment, wild stuff. And all is going to be speculation moving forward because we don't know. Because everybody's keeping this stuff so hush-hush. We don't know what it's going to look like in six months. Six months, all of this could be flipped upside down, especially going into 2024. I know ACC teams technically can't leave because of their uh, it'll cost too much for them to leave the conference. But yeah, let's see what this all turns out to be in six months. Oh man, once again, another great show. It was great fun talking to all of you here on the podcast. So thanks for tuning in to Unfair Sports, where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. Please hit us up on Unfair Fan Line, 430-901-1906. So for Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for doing what you do best and helping us get this bad boy going. We'll have another episode, of course, later this week. We're watching NBA Free Agency. We're going to talk some recruiting on the uh, YouTube channel. So search us, Unfair Sports. You'll find all of that. Leave us a comment. Hit us up there. Leave us a comment on Twitter at Unfair Sports as well as on Facebook and Instagram. We love to hear from the fans. And if you got a suggestion of what you want to hear about, let me know. We'll make something based upon your feedback. So with that, we'll chop it up in a few days. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.